Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. We'll be reading from Romans 13, 11 to 14, if you'd like to turn there. Romans 13, 11 to 14. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. This is the word of God. Morning. What a Vision Sunday verse. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was reading something by John Mark Comer this week. Here's what he said. If we're not being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, then we are being unintentionally formed by someone or something else. But you are being formed. What's really good news about that is the church is not a place of affirmation. It is a place of formation. We're not here to affirm your life unless it's looking like Jesus. And then we go, that looks like Jesus. And so we affirm that, that something's happening in you that's causing that. Outside of that, it's about formation. How many of you are getting this life right every day? None of you, right? Which is grace. Aren't you happy for grace? You get it wrong, and it's like, whew, thank God. For grace. And so it's formation. It's about what God wants to do in and through you. And that's what he's doing here as a church. Vision Sunday. Um, let me take a few moments to say what won't happen today. How about that? That'd be fun. <laughs> so you're like, sure, you do what you want. Um, we're in the middle of this Give Hope campaign, but it's more than a campaign. It's about becoming a church that gives hope. It's about a, a redirection to the things that God is, is calling us to. Not that we haven't been on that journey, but this is about saying, God, specifically right now, this is what we believe you're asking us to do, and we're going to be obedient to that. And so our vision is Jesus. And so we are committed to continuing this conversation around Give Hope, that we will be a justice-seeking church that fights for the righteousness of Christ in every heart and in every life. We are going to be a church that invites you as an attender because we have a strong agenda for your life to engage the rhythm of up, in, and out. That you have an up relationship with God, you have an in relationship with fellow believers, which is where you discern, heal, and grow, and nowhere else besides that. And then that we have this out relationship to the world where we're bringing the love of Christ out. Because here's the deal, what's inside comes out. And so if Jesus is coming out, celebrate that. If he's not, Ask some questions about it. So we're going to continue down that road. And also, we will be a locally invested and globally focused church. That will be our heart's cry and desire. That we don't just be spiritually formed to keep it, but we be spiritually formed into the image of Christ to share it. 
right? One of the signs of a healthy believer is generosity, that we are giving away not just our resources, our time, and our talent, but we're giving away this life in Jesus that we've discovered, not keeping it for ourselves. So that's this vision that we're in. That keeps going. Today, that's not changing. Good news? You're, bless you. You're welcome. So today isn't about cam- the campaign specifically. And everybody went, okay. But here's the deal. For those of you who want to know all about where it's at and how it's going and what we're doing and what we've been able to accomplish and what the plan is for the rest of this time on October. I believe it is, uh, put that slide up. You can write this down. Matter of fact, I'd love everybody to write this down. I don't see that coming up really fast. So October 15th, so October 15th, it's a Sunday night at 7 p.m. We're gonna have an all church gathering. We'll probably sing some songs together and we're gonna talk about the campaign and where everything's at. How's that? We're going to let you know. We're going to let you speak back. We're going to be informed. We're going to pray together, and we're going to keep moving into what God's called us to do. Good? But not today. We say Sundays are not our central offering around here, that we don't just put on great Sundays. They're great Sundays, right? I enjoy coming and celebrating with you, but Sundays are about glorifying God, not consuming religious goods and services for me, so that when I walk away, I don't ask if you liked it. We ask if God liked it. Because this is about God. Our central offering is not what happens here on a Sunday, though it's really important that we attend on Sunday because this is the family coming together. And something happens in that. Our central offering is biblical community. And I'm not just talking about small groups, all the names that come with small groups. Because you can be in a small group and it not be biblical community. When I talk about biblical community, we're talking about the spirit you bring to that community. Where people are actually known. Where trust breeds transparency and vulnerability. Where there's accountability to the good things left undone. What God's asking you to do that you're not doing. It's called disobedience. And we, we hold each other accountable. And then spirit-led, that the spirit in you is the same spirit in me, and he can tell me what's going on in you, and we can continue to work with him and what he's doing. Biblical community. But we're not specifically talking about that today, though that's a massive part of our vision. So those are the things we're not talking about. Took a lot of time to do that. Today's about something far bigger that's keeping the church from being all God needs it to be. And when I say the church, I do mean the church universal, but I am also talking about us. There's a video that Kate sent me while I was on sabbatical. And um, (laughs) I have this inner tension. Can I be transparent with you for a second? I have this, when I saw this video, I was like, and it's Louis Giglio. Anybody know who Louis Giglio is? Just great, great pastor and heart and built a lot into the worship culture. And, and he's saying something we've been saying. So my intention was, dang it, we've been saying this for a long time, and now he's saying it. Now they're going to think we were listening to him when he said it. It's pride. I get it. I'm acknowledging it. I want, we wanted to be the ones who said it, right? But he said it, and so, okay, we're going to let it go. But here's what's powerful is this is one of our mega churches in, in, in our country. And this is what the pastor is saying in this church. And this is recently. And I want you to hear this clip. And then I want to go into what I believe God is saying to us. But check this out. Sound. Like right there. He's going to start and you'll miss it a little bit with the church. a way of life, not a weekly Go back. Go back one more time. One more time. Here we go. 
Church becomes a way of life, not a weekly gathering. So, you know, a lot of people left church during pandemic. I don't know why they all left. A hundred reasons probably. And some of them didn't come back. And maybe they didn't come back for a hundred reasons. But maybe one of the reasons, I don't, I don't know. Maybe one of the reasons was is that they left church and they were gone for a few months and they realized they didn't really miss church at all. They're like, I don't know. I don't feel really any different from being there. Why? Because maybe we package this thing to be a moment and we work really hard in that moment to lift your spirit so that you leave here going, I feel better about myself and about life than I did when I went in. I got a boost. And maybe there's a practical nugget for you that you can use during the week. And that's church. I'm telling you, that kind of church isn't gonna make it when the spirit of Antichrist tries to shut down the world. That's, that kind of church isn't gonna make it through the pandemic. That kind of church isn't gonna make it through a diagnosis. It's not gonna make it through something that doesn't make sense. It's not gonna make it through hardship or difficulty or persecution. That kind of church won't make it. The kind of church is gonna make it is the church where people in the church are all in to church. You're like, are you trying to get us to show up now? No, no, no. Opposite. I'm trying to say that it's not most about how many people come through the door. It's most about what kind of people go out the door. You can clap. You can clap. Because Sunday, and you've heard this, Sunday morning Christians aren't changing the world. And there's a reason for that. There's something missing at the core of many of our relationship with Jesus. And I might be preaching to the choir today, and so that's great. If I am, let this be affirmation. If I'm not, may it be conviction. And if you got shame, guilt, and condemnation around it, that's on you, not us. I'm tired of owning shame, guilt, and condemnation for things that we say that are true when it's the things in you that are causing, the lies and the filter that's in your life that's causing it to come through as shame, guilt, and condemnation. God said there is no, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. So something in you needs to be set free. So may it be set free. And may today, I believe God's put a vision in front of us for this church, guys, that, that we can only accomplish in his, in his power and his strength. Period. But it's going to require a kind of people that I believe is missing in the church today. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, people, people will come up and say, well, you, you know, you, you said that and you were looking at me when you said that. I never look at anybody, by the way, and say something specific. <laughs> I never do that. I just want you to know. If I'm looking at you and talking, it's, I'm not really, I may be seeing you. I don't know if I'm seeing you. I, my mind is probably racing in that moment. But just know that that might just be the Holy Spirit. And so you should receive it. <laughs> Three weeks ago, or maybe it's four now, my first Sunday back during worship, God started talking to me. And I don't know if you, I was talking to my, my son Paxton. We were driving home and I said, you know, is God talking to you? Can you do you know what God sounds? He's like, no, God talks to me. I don't, I don't hear God talk to me. How do I know if God's talking to me? I'm like, God wants to talk to you. God's always talking to you. And I said, if I call you on the phone, you, how do you know it's me? He goes, I know your voice. I go, how do you know my voice? He's 10 years old. He goes, because I've been around you enough to know your voice. And I said, that's it. When you're around him enough, 
you learn his voice and you learn how. So we were worshiping there. I leaned over to Natalie and I was like so emotional. I was like, God's just talking. And it's not audible. You wouldn't have heard it, but it's how he speaks to me. And he said, and here's what he said. And this was, he, he started giving me a picture that we'll find in scripture. He said, tell my church to stop running in fear. Tell my church to stop running in fear. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. We need to be a people to run towards what scares us most. That's what we have to be. There's a tagline for this thing. I may not say it again the rest of the morning, but you wrote it down. Tell my church to stop running in fear. And then he took me to David and Goliath. And the story of David and Goliath to give me a picture of what the church today actually looks like and who God is seeing when he looks at us is the armies of Israel running in fear. 3,000 years ago in the Valley of Elah, a massive man named Goliath of Gath stepped out of the Philistine ranks to defy and taunt the army of Israel and its God. If we're not living in a culture that is taunting the people of God and God himself, I don't know what we're doing or what we live in. For 40 days, he harangued the Israelite warriors, heaping shame on them, since none dared to accept his fight to the death. Winner takes all challenge. And every morning when he stepped forward, the men of God shrank back. Then a teenage Hebrew shepherd boy named David showed up in the camp with some bread and cheese for his soldier big brothers and heard the giant pour out his scorn on the powerless army of God. And David was indignant. And so we go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and you, you get the whole story in chapter 17, but going to verse 24, when all Israel's fighting men saw the man, they fled from him and were very afraid. Verse 26, David spoke to the men that stood by him saying, what will be done for the man that kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You stumbled across a Christian like that lately? And the people answered him in the same way, saying, so will it be done to the man who kills him. Skipping down to verse 31, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, the king, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fall because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. Oh, don't you remember when Timothy said, don't let him despise your youth? And he's been a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant was a shepherd for his father's flocks. And the lion came and the bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I took hold of his beard, struck him and killed him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them because he has reviled the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the Paul. Who's he giving credit to right now? Gosh, of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. We go through the story where 
Saul tries to give David his armor and it doesn't fit and David's like, I don't need that. And David goes to pick some stones out of the, 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 the creek or the creek or the brook or whatever you want to call it. And he gets the stones that he needs and we skip down then to 51 when the Philistines stall their champion. No, let me go up here. When the Philistine arose, this is verse 48, came near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took from there a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. Therefore, the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he struck down the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in his hand. Therefore, David ran, stood over the Philistine, and then he took a sword and drew it from out of his sheath, and he finished him off and cut off his head. He told him he was going to do that. He said, if you don't shut up and stop defiling the armies of God and God himself, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I just did. The word of God. <laughs> Many think David's defeat of Goliath is a story of personal courage in the face of overwhelming odds. And so we need to summon the David from within us. You heard that story that way? An Old Testament Rocky Balboa standing up to an arrogant, powerful giant. That resonated. And they see him as a self-confident, independent young man who was brave enough to fight for what was right and rely on his own strength and skills rather than conform to the conventional tactics around him. The popular moral of the story is this, get out there and face down your giant because the heroically courageous come out on top. While many of us live in fear seeking to control our lives and fight those giants by ourselves as if we can slay them by ourselves. But that is not at all what this story is about. It's true that David was courageous and courage is an essential virtue of those living in the kingdom, but it's secondary. Tell him hi. But when he faced Goliath, David's courage was being empowered by something else. And before looking at where David's courage came from, we need to ask why Saul and his soldiers lacked it. Why the church today lacks it. And I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying sitting right down there, I felt God speak very clearly. Tell my church to stop running in fear. Now let's be honest. How many of you have things in the life, in your life right now, and the way you often know is your desire to control it, have things that you fear, that you ought not to fear? This word is for us today because we don't get to where God has taken us unless we deal with this. On the surface, the answer seems obvious. The Philistine champion was about nine feet tall and incredibly strong. He was a highly trained, experienced fighting machine who had sent many opponents to meet their maker, Goliath. Physically, every man in the Hebrew camp was outclassed. Fighting Goliath looked like suicide, plain and simple. But it's not so plain and simple. Why? Because fighting Goliath didn't look like suicide to David, who was as physically outclassed as anyone else, maybe more but also because these men believed in God and they knew Israel's history. Okay, let me tell you why that's big. They knew the stories, how God had overcome one giant adversary after another. So do you. 
How many of you have had God overcome things in your life that you never thought you could that made you better on the side and not just better, but more than a conqueror because you look more like Jesus today than you did before? Many of them had personally seen God do amazing things, such as Jonathan's defeat of the Philistine garrison in 1 Samuel 14, where where he says to his armor bearer, hey, let's just you and I go over and take on the Philistine army. And his armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan goes, great, cool. And then he goes, we'll show ourselves. And if they say, come up, then we know God's given them to us. If they say, wait there, we'll come down. We know he hasn't. And they said, come up. And Jonathan went up. And Jonathan and his armor bearer just started slaying the Philistines, just the two of them. Jonathan would knock them down. And the armor bearer would just stick them. I think that's how it happened. It's just how I see it in my head. (laughs) Then God turned them on each other and they started killing each other. They knew this about their God. No, the men lacked courage to faith Goliath because at this moment, the men lacked faith. At this moment, for whatever reason, despite all the stories and past experiences, Goliath actually looked bigger than God. What today are we running from that looks bigger than God and is keeping us from being his church? Each man believed that if he went out against this humongous human, he would be on his own and end up dead or rejected or depressed or anxious or whatever. What's your story? Put it in there. So what made David different? It was not because he had self-generated, raw, cool, amazing, Rocky Balboa courage of the American action movie hero. What fueled David's courage was his confidence in God's promises and God's power to fulfill them. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. I know you're processing. Process out loud sometimes. (laughs) Let me say it again. I want want you to... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of things rolling through my head right now. Again, I think think when when you're... God gives you the message, you're feeling it differently. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray that the truths that are in here would open our hearts wide open. I think that's probably what you're doing right now. And so there's this sense that just, God, what are you saying to me? And so may that just be true. May we hear your voice. But let me say it again. What fueled David's courage was his confidence in God's promises and God's power to fulfill them. Is that how you live? Because not only is he who he says he is, but he does what he says he's going to do. Always has. Always will. And so you have the promise. David had the promise. He had seen God do what God did, just like everybody else. And in the preceding chapter, Samuel the prophet had informed David that God had chosen him to be the next king of Israel and anointed him with his brothers around him. Do you have Jesus? If you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, then you have Jesus. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Greater things will you do. Right? 
And so David knew he was there when the prophet came and anointed him and said, you'll be king. And so he goes to fight Goliath, knowing that he had the power of God and the anointing of God and the faith in God to do what he said he would do. Do we, do you, do we, do I? Because he's still alive and he's still moving and he's on a throne and he will have his way today. And he's looking for people who will walk out to the giants in the world and in our lives and in faith take them down. Not for our glory, not in our strength, not to have our own fame, but for the glory of God. Because we're tired of people taunting our God. And by the way, you need to know who's taunting God. It's not flesh, it's spiritual. It's the enemy of our soul. David knew this information when he arrived in the camp and heard Goliath's taunts and rants, and he drew additional confidence by remembering how God had helped him in the past, the bear and the lion. Brought it up. How's God helped you in the past? Has God helped you in the past? If he has, raise your hand. And you have a story that should ignite not just hope in your life, but faith. It ought to ignite it all. This reality was David's courage wellspring. He was not self-confident. He was God-confident. This whole self-confident thing. Ugh. Be God-confident. By the way, what's, what's that book by Keller? Freedom of self-forgetfulness. Everybody write that down. That will help you get a better perspective on self-confidence and self-esteem. Great read. What is it called again? You ready? Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. It'll rock your world. You'll be able to read it in one day. How many of you like those kind of books? When you get it, it's small, and you're going to go like, yes, I can do this. It's so good. David believed that God would never break his promise, and if Goliath made himself an obstacle to God's promise, and hear this, God could flick him out of the way with a pebble. What do you see as an obstacle that is opportunity for great faith. What do you see as an obstacle that is opportunity for great faith? David saw God as bigger and stronger than the fearful Philistine, and so he went out to fight knowing that God would give him victory over Goliath. And when he did, and I want you to get this, I'll put it on the screen, the victory would demonstrate God's power and faithfulness, not David's courage. David is not the hero in the story. God is the hero in the story. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that worked and moved in through David, lives in you. So we stand. We fight giants. For the glory of God. See, courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. Courage is always produced by faith. Whether our faith is in God or something else, courage is a secondary virtue. And for the Christian, a lack of courage, what the writer of Hebrew calls shrinking back in our cultural moment, to shrink back is always evidence of a lack of faith in the promises of God. Always. Some Goliath is looming larger than God in our sight and taunting us into humiliation. And all we see is how weak and pathetic we are and how inadequate we are to face him. Fighting him seems impossible and the thought actually immobilizes us. All of us experience this fear. David did. David is such a helpful example for us, not only because he, 
He fueled his confidence and courage to faith Goliath from God's promises, but also because he so frequently felt fear and needed to encourage his soul, again, by remembering God's promises. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. It's David's words, right? And so all you gotta do is a quick read through the first 25 Psalms to show how David battled fear and unbelief. But faith made David more than courageous and faith will make you more than courageous and it will grow hope. When he heard the Philistine defy the living God and his army, he made David, it made David angry. Are the world's lies and taunts of God and his truth making you angry? And I'm talking about a righteous anger where God is the one who gets the vengeance. But what is motivating you to run in fear or stand in faith? Goliath's taunts and accusations scorn God's glory, which is our aim in this life. Do you know why we want to become like Jesus? This, this is... This is at the core we should say this more. It's not so that people look at you and say, I see Jesus. It's so that people look at you and God gets the glory because they see Jesus. It's a pointing to Jesus like John the Baptist did when he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We are supposed to be the greatest pointing instruments to the Father that the world has ever seen. This is about the glory of God. And so I want you to hear this with the right heart as I keep going. When no one stepped up to defend God's name, it made God look weak, and David wouldn't tolerate it. Why do we tolerate it in this generation? Church, it should be our response to every fear and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Read 2 Corinthians 10.5. Our fears are not primarily about us even though it feels like they're about us. I want you to hear this. Our fears are primarily about God. And they call into question God's character and call Him weak or non-existent. They defy God and His church. Our fears. And that is an outrage. And our call is to stop cowering and stand up to our fears, not allowing them to intimidate us into unbelief as individuals and as a church. In the new covenant, we're not to battle flesh and blood. <laughs> Some of you are like, darn it. Man, I thought you were onto something here. I was going to get to go take out a human giant. But to love our human enemies... We're not to battle flesh and blood, but to love our human enemies. And remember, injustice is what we fight against. Humanity is what we fight for. You got to hear that. Because there's injustice in your life right now called sin. And there's injustice in this world right now called sin that's destroying. And we need to go and fight those injustices so that people can live and have liberty and freedom from this bondage of sin where the wages of sin is death. Our Goliaths are our indwelling sin and the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And we are to wield warfare weapons against them, including the shield of faith and the sword of God's word. We are to aim and to kill. It's why as a church, we don't just have an area of spiritual formation where we want to help you become like Jesus. We now have an area called spiritual care. 
And in that, we have hope counseling because we want you to have a place to land when the lies get too big and the truth gets too small. Meaning your fear gets greater than your God. We have wellsprings, which is inner healing and deliverance because for some of us, we gotta go back and break the yoke of sin. We have Freedom Academy where we actually learn to not fix people but to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be there, to name the things the enemy is doing, to speak truth, to grieve, and to heal. We have Celebrate Recovery, which by the way is for hurts, habits, and hangups, and every one of you are on a dopamine fix in this room whether you know it or not. Sabbath is about resting from the dopamine fix of our world and our culture. Celebrate Recovery is a place to go and begin to name it and heal it. We have an incredible Celebrate Recovery ministry, Wellsprings ministry, Hope Counseling, Freedom Academy, and we're raising up. Somebody's come in and said, I want a physical healing. We need to pray for those who are sick that God would heal them. Spiritual care. To go after those places so that you can be in liberty and freedom. These giants who are bigger than we are and very intimidating to our flesh will be slain just like David's was. By faith. Anxiety. By faith. Depression. By faith. Addiction. By faith. All of the things that are coming against us in this culture. By faith. We will stand. What if coming out of hiding for us is about becoming cultural nonconformists? I'm closing. What if coming out of hiding, what if to stop running from fear, what if running towards what scares us most is about cultural nonconformity? How? By being different in our behavior. I need you to hear this. I've been trying to change my behavior. You don't change your behavior, God does. Because if you change it, it's called behavior modification. Tim talked about it last week. Do you know how this happens in our life? We learn to abide. If you got anything out of the Fruit of the Spirit series, I hope you got that the way you exhibit the fruit is to abide in Christ. There is nothing you can do to bring it about but get close to Jesus. And we need to be better at telling you how to do that. Let me just tell you, we're going to up the temperature of prayer around here. As individuals and as a church, we need to be on our face before God calling out that he would grow our faith and lead us in faith to the giants of this land to slay them in Jesus' name so that people can be free. They don't even know they're bound, but he's calling us. It's that up relationship with God that we need to stop shaming ourselves around and just get with him and let him change us at all costs. Here's the second one, by extinguishing worldly appetites. I mean, you got some worldly appetites. Some of us, if God were to come back, we'd be having too much fun. Who was it coming in? Steve. We were rejoicing about mom going home. Right? Amen. And you said what? And? And you're jealous. <laughs> right? Oh, to just go home. But man, we're so trapped in the appetites of this world. It's hard to even think that way, isn't it? And so we get into community where we can grow and heal and learn and discern. And it's in that community where we can see our, our loves, wants, and desires redirected from this world. Here's the last one by talking about Jesus. It's mission, church. We're up in the ante of mission. You're saying up? 
mission. It's like we're one of the most missional churches. Yep, up it. Community, up it. Abiding, getting close to God, knowing his voice, being led by his spirit, up it. Why? Because we need big faith. We need to grow our faith. It's one thing to know what he's done in the past and ignore it today. It's another thing to do nothing today to see it grow and continue to run in fear. We won't do what God's asked us to do. What's bigger than God in your life? Where does your fear need to shrink back and your faith grow? Where is your confidence in self being exposed and God confidence needing to grow? He'll do it. Do it again. And may he do it again. Romans 13. Dave, thanks for reading this. But now hear Romans 13, 11. Furthermore, knowing the time now is the moment to awake from sleep. Stop running in fear and run to what scares you most. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us take off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in immorality and wickedness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Get close to Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Everything possible. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Why? Because there are giants taunting the people of God and taunting their God. And aren't you sick of it? And so we need to fight. And our weapons are not of this world. This is a commitment to growing faith and walking away from fear. David knew his God. He remembered his faithfulness and it empowered his faith. Here's what we're going to do in this moment. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing praise again at the end because I think we need to. But up here in this, in, the, in these two buckets and they're Home Depot buckets. So we don't have water leaks in the roof. We have rocks and buckets. And I tried to get away from the rock analogy. You don't need another rock on your dresser reminding you about what God's saying and doing, right? And I tried, but I kept coming back to a rock. Why? Because David in faith went and picked up some rocks. And here's what's powerful. Not with the king's talents and times and treasures, but with his own. He knew it was a sling that was going to take this giant. What God had already gifted him in. What's he gifted you in? This is, here's what this is. And don't take this lightly. And if you don't come, that's great. That's fine. There's no judgment in that. But if you come, you're making a commitment before the living God who sees it all to say, This year, I want my faith to grow like it's never grown before. And I'm grabbing a rock as a sign that he's going to do it. When you get back to your seat, yes, you can write on it if you want. Or you can just set that rock on your dresser and says, every time you see it, grow my faith. Grow my faith. Give me courage. You can write on there. What does that look like? What is the thing that you fear most? Write it there and run from it. Or run towards it. Don't run from it. (laughs) Write it there and run towards it. You know what I was saying. Maybe you need to think that, name the thing that God has been asking you to surrender for his honor and his glory, a talent, a time, a treasure. Write it on the rock because it's going to grow your faith. But as we sing this song, if you're saying to God today for this next year, and so the vision that God's given us for this church can happen, I'm committed to see my faith grow. I want big faith. And I want to be part of slaying the giants in this land. Would you do that?
God, I just pray that you would put it on our hearts and take it off of our hearts if this isn't for us. If it's not for somebody in this room, don't make them make a weak commitment right now. But may this be true about us, that we will be a church that pursues what it looks like to be a people with big faith because we have a big God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, but I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear But I am a child
This is what we pray. I'll praise cause you saw me. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and defeated the rain. I'll praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. I'll praise cause you saw me. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and doesn't matter how many people come in. What matters is the kind of people that go out. This year, we're going to circle back to this regularly. And we're going to testify how God is raising up big faith in our lives. But I want you to remember this. Injustice is what we fight against. People are what we fight for. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. So we go after what's destroying hearts and lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. May every giant fall that you face and may you face it with faith, believing that God is bigger than that giant because he is. And so we praise and we praise and we praise and we get really, really good at praising. Amen. Amen. We love you. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.